Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Monday. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Uh, great question on deck. Restitution, penance, payback, karma. Mike, if we commit an act or have behavior that harms someone else, how do we make it right? For example, if we steal money from someone, do we repay them? If we cheat on someone, do we get cheated on? If we break a law or conversely support a policy that injures others, how do we correct the behavior or should we just move on? Well, this is one of those situations where the answer I give on the surface will probably not seem like enough. It'll seem unjust. But let me go a little bit deeper and perhaps some of the dots will be connected and, and put you in a place of power, which is where you deserve to be. Um, first off, I probably don't need to share this with most audiences that I uh, meet. Uh, you're already far enough along that you realize there is no celestial judgment. There's no judgment from on high of you, your choices, your behavior. Now, there is such a thing as judgment in the world, and it can be awesome and very valuable. It's up to us to decide, discern, and judge which path we want to take, what's going to serve us the best. It's up to us to decide what's helpful, what's not helpful, what's kind, what's mean. There is a place for judgment. Judgment is everywhere, and it can be a powerful tool. But there is no judgment by the divine, a.k.a. God, of you or us and our behavior. Everyone here is of the divine. Everyone here is doing their level best. As my mom would frequently say, a poor best it was. But there's still no judgment from the divine. And based on where they're coming from, to have made that decision. It's the best they could do with what they knew at the time. And this is something you need to honor in yourself. What you've done in the past was always the absolute best you could have done. It's what I would have done in your shoes. It's what Jesus would have done in your shoes. It's what God did in your shoes. At the time, you did it with what you knew. Okay, this is gospel. Hence, no judgment from on high. There's no devil. There's no hell. We're all here walking each other home, as Ram Dass famously said, and we're all going to get to that, that place one day that we aspire to going to. So there's no judgment from the divine. Now, to answer the questioner's question, which is all about how do we move forward when we feel we could have done better? Oh, that is often the case. And in fact, we could have done better often times. But how do we move further ahead when we live in a world where it's so clear, uh, unclear, what morality and ethics and God and judgment and punishment and restitution and payback? Oh my gosh. How do you move forward? Now, this might sound too easy. Forgive yourself. Love yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Forgive yourself. Love yourself. That's it. You are non-stop streaming of your reality. You are a streaming manifester. And you stream 
based on the capabilities achieved through understanding and wisdom. Are you an old soul? Well, it's easy, does it, love, respect, that kind of thing. And this is what you're streaming. If you're a young soul and it's you're, you're competitive in nature and you're trying to get ahead and sometimes you step on people's toes, the way you change your reality and free yourself from the past and the present that you don't like, from the former self that you wish you weren't at that time, um, is you love yourself in the moment. And then in that moment, click, you start streaming something totally different. Now, to the layperson, it might look exactly the same, but you're seeing it differently. You're feeling it differently. This is why karma is not an absolute law. It's not even a law, fair to say. It is a phenomenon, as I have spoken to many times before in earlier spiritual tune-ups, where your resonance is. Okay, you live in a dog-eat-dog world. It's, it's take advantage of folks before they take advantage of you. If that's your vibration, you will violate and you will be violated. It has nothing to do with the score. It has everything to do with your vibration. This is what I'm talking about. We're streaming manifestors. So if you're streaming, you know, life is hard and people are mean and I got I to gotta do all I can to save my butt or somebody's going to come along at my expense and exceed me, move beyond me, leave me in their dust. If that's where you're at, that's what you experience. You will violate and you will be violated, irregardless of the score. The instant you move up, the instant you move into love, and the instant you move into wisdom, enlightenment, aka joy, bliss, compassion, service, cooperation, the entire experience you have in time and space is transformed. You are the moving part. And you will no longer resonate with people who are down here because you're going to be up here. You will be free. And it won't matter what the score was. There's no scoring system. There's not karma in the way it is typically understood or taught. Karma is a phenomenon. And sure enough, we see it everywhere. Okay, what goes around comes around because people don't change as fast as they would like. They're here. They're vibrating here. And so they get boom, 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 bounced around as they bounce around. Change your vibration. Love yourself. You're free. Doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter where you were. Now, one of the best ways to love yourself, particularly mindful of something you may have done that hurt other people. Maybe it was vicious. Maybe it was deliberate. Maybe it was calculated to inflict pain. If you want to love yourself, sometimes the best way to love yourself when you're mindfully aware of your earlier trespasses is to make restitution, payback. Do you have to? Absolutely not. You don't have to do anything. You're loved, you're adored, you're pre-approved for happily ever after, no matter where you find yourself in the journey. But when you realize that we're all connected, that we're all the same spiritual family, that we're all sparks of God, and you are acutely aware of things you've done that you could have handled better, go there, go, go, go. Whatever you can do within reason, still loving yourself to make amends. Look, if you hate yourself or you're angry at yourself or you're pissed off, you help no one. You might feel like you deserve to hate yourself. You might be really angry. You help no one, not yourself either. So go and be motivated with kindness and love in your heart. Say, I'm sorry. Scream it from the rooftops if you feel that can serve the entire situation as well as your short-term and long-term aims. Uh, restitution, uh, payback, uh, all of that stuff. Go there. Go. Even if you don't have an awareness of acute improprieties in your earlier behavior, when you get to this place of love, 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 I love myself, I love life, I see everyone as me, your life becomes service. It becomes service because it's the coolest thing on the block. It's what you most want to do. Who can you make smile? Who can you help out? Who's living in the dark? And maybe you can bring a light to that darkness. This is what joy, this is what life becomes. And this doesn't mean at your expense. I mean, this is like what you most want to do. And so you're going to be doing that anyway. And if you're aware, as I was saying, of somebody you, you hurt, 
uh, who, or who chose to be hurt by your behavior, and maybe rightly so, then go there, begin your service there. You don't have to. You do not have to. If it confuses you too much, then go somewhere else and be of service. And you don't even have to go be of service there, but you will want to as you move into higher realms of love and joy. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up on the heels of yesterday's question, which pertained to restitution, payback, karma, penance. I said that there's nothing you need to do if you find that you've been in a situation, present or past, where you chose uh, less than optimally, other than forgive and love yourself. By having that vibration go back up as a streaming manifester, the best of your life is about to begin. But that raises another question. If there's no judgment, as the discussion went yesterday, are all behaviors okay? No way, no way, no way. Remember, we're talking about celestial judgment. Are we being judged by the divine, our creator, source energy, God, the universe? No, we are of God, by God, pure God, here doing the best we can with what we have from where we are. That doesn't mean that all of our decisions uh, have served us uh, or other people. So the question to ask, through judgment of your decisions, you're allowed to judge your decisions. You got to. No one's going to do it for you. Through judgment of your decisions, are you making choices that serve you? Are you serving yourself? We're all here to learn what works and what doesn't work. And the best way to realize something doesn't work is to, to pass judgment on it using your heart and your mind and saying, this is a no-go. This hurt me. And eventually, you include in your definition of self everyone else. So the question should be, Am I serving myself and others? Am I serving? Yes or no? Past judgment. We are here to learn what serves us or what does not serve us. That's life in the jungles of time and space right away. And your judgment is a crucial factor there. Not of other people, not even of yourself, but of your decisions. Are you serving yourself and are you yet defining yourself to include all others? Because the day inevitably dawns in all of our adventures that self includes others. And if one person falls, we all fall. And if one person soars, we all soar. This is the inevitable march of the evolution of consciousness that we are all in. Now, there's a tangent here, and I've touched on it in earlier tune-ups. In spiritualese, if you will, there's no such thing as a victim. We're all creators. We might change our vernacular from victim to volunteer. Sometimes, I wouldn't put it past you, you're so big in your love of life, self, and others that you might stand in harm's way so that others don't. That's a hero. That's a volunteer. It might look on the surface like, oh, victim, random things happen to random people. No such thing in these sacred jungles of time and space. Everything is through order and everything we tacitly, intentionally, or sometimes unintentionally create. Now, does that mean I'm blaming the victim? As I have shared in many other spiritual tune-ups, blame, victim, fault, these words fail in any spiritual conversation. They imply things that are not true. I'll, I'll leave it to you to go to the other tune-ups, look for victim, blame, fault, etc. And you will find in the archives here at Facebook and or here in IGTV, um, my lengthy discussions on the blame the victim and how that's not happening. But oftentimes folks like myself are accused of spiritual bypassing that's the new terminology. And people do spiritual bypassing all the time. Spiritual whitewashing, 
where all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you know, you're blaming the victim and you're saying that they create their own reality and they're here to learn. And so they made their bed and let them lay in it. I've not said any of that. Well, I've not said 99% of that. We do create our own realities, but sometimes the reason we're aware of someone else falling is so that we can be called up to the plate, raise the bar in our own view of self and render love and compassion and assistance. And by no means would I ever imply that a violation of you or you on another person is okay. It's not okay. It's This is, we're here to learn that we are responsible for all of, all of our behaviors and all of our manifestations, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, and that responsibility is accepted through wisely discerning your choices, your decisions, uh, the forks in the road, go left or right. You're learning what serves you. You are entitled to happily ever after. Everyone is entitled from today forward to their own happily ever after, no matter what their trespasses. But let's learn about what works and what doesn't. Let's learn what serves and what does not serve and choose accordingly. And then we can all get it on living happily ever after. You need not, you need, you need to be judgmental of your decisions. Not other people, not of God, not of Satan, not of yourself. You need to be judgmental of your decisions with a glad heart with an eye to the future, with the ambition of living happily ever after. Be judgmental and allow others to be judgmental of their own decisions, your own decisions. And you can certainly be judgmental of the decisions of others as they affect your decisions. This is your job, okay? Be judgmental of your decisions and judgmental of the decisions of others to the degree it will affect your decisions. That's a big, a big parameter there. It doesn't mean go judge other people. Okay. Other people's decisions as those decisions may affect you. Let's get it on. Okay. The truth is setting us free. We're living at an exciting time right now where as we wake up, our vibrations are raised. Life gets easier. We get richer. We have more fun. We stay healthy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here. Time for a spiritual tune-up, and this time the topic is deja vu. Why do we have these feelings from time to time in our lives where there's some inexplicable remembrance? That's what deja vu means. I've been here before. I've been through this before. This feels so familiar, yet it's impossible. Three reasons, the most common of which, and quite possibly is the case, uh, is that you have been to this physical location before, but perhaps in another lifetime. Uh, walking the streets of Paris for the first time and you know you've been there, or visiting the, the pyramids on the Giza Plateau in Egypt and it just feels like you've come home. These truly can be examples uh, evidence of our multifaceted reincarnational experiences. You know, you're not just born once and that's it. You're born as many times as you want, as many times as you are called back by your wandering mind with incomplete business, unfinished business, unfinished, unrequited love. There's a lot of reasons we come back. I've done other spiritual tune-ups specifically on reincarnation, the hows, the whys, the logistics. Even though we live in an eternal now, how is it possible that we have these linear experiences, um, old past lives, future lives, and the present life? So I'm not going to go down that path any further than I already have. But the first explanation to the feelings of deja vu that most people have occasionally or fleetingly had is the fact that, yeah, you are revisiting a place, your old stomping grounds <clears throat> from another life and or old friends from another life. That feeling of comfort and familiarity may well be from the company you're keeping. You, sometimes we meet somebody and in the first instant of uh, that connection, we feel like we've come home. Um, other people we've known our whole life and they're still strangers to us. Uh, 
it is again quite possible that those feelings of deja vu connected to a person or a place stem from past lives. Although I think most of the time those are not the cause of our feelings of deja vu. We are multidimensional beings. Deja vu hints at the grandiosity of the adventures we have in time and space and the fact that we are in many places at the same time. The second of three reasons that we sometimes feel deja vu, very simply, advanced planning, out-of-body journeys. We are not stuck inside of our bodies, not during our waking hours and most certainly not during our sleeping hours. And that you have dreams, that you have fears, means that there is this inner essence in you that's strategically figuring out the terrain. Where am I going to go? Who am I going to talk to? How am I going to unleash the avalanches of abundance that are my birthright? And so we're always calculating and scheming and dreaming and fearing. And therefore, we have, if you will, emissaries that we send out. Fragments of ourself. 24-7. Right now, you're probably in this room with me. Part of you. And you're in a million other places simultaneously in ways that would boggle the human brain. You're never in just one place at a time. It's your exquisite focus as a human being that you've learned to ignore all the other sensory information that's now available to you. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you're not out there all the time. And that doesn't mean when you have dreams or fears that you aren't literally calculating, testing the waters, going where you have not yet been physically. Out-of-body experiences, some people call it, um, and the like. Waking or in asleep, or while asleep. And so, in your scouting of pathways, possibilities, new friends, things to avoid, things to manifest, you may have encountered the terrain physical or emotional or human um, that would best serve you. And you met that person, you know, three and a half months ago in an alter, altered state, out of body, and the logistics have been lining up based on your ever-present dreams, desires, and results, as have they. And suddenly there is this crossing of paths that was not ordained by destiny, but ordained by you checking out the terrain and going there in advance. It could be a physical location that you have visited out of body and drawn yourself to in the waking state. Now you're there and it feels so comfortable. It feels so familiar. Their laugh, their voice, and the things that you're doing. Hey, you've been there before. The third reason, and probably the most common reason, is evidenced by your thoughts becoming things or a byproduct of your thoughts becoming things. Um, your imagination is what paves all roads. Okay, and so that you have dreams and fears, not only do you go out and test the waters, but sometimes you create that world here. There's literally a world in your mind. And the instant you create that vision, it comes to life and it exists. And all of the elements of time and space from that point forward, as long as you hold on to the vision or the fear or whatever it is, is assembled and draws you to the equivalent in time and space. And when you meet the physical equivalent, aka the manifestation of what you were dreaming of, or in some cases fearing, you're going to have that sense of, I've been here. I knew it. This is just like I pictured it. All right. Remember that Stevie Wonder song? New York City, just like I pictured it. That's life on earth, just like you pictured it. Because we are, as I love to say, streaming manifestors. But there is a buildup of energy. So these images in your mind are gaining and gaining and gaining strength before you are given permission to either stream them in place or meet what is a mass 
production and it can then be part of your production because it was the nearest equivalent to what you were thinking about. Sunshine, roses, happy dolphins, happy dances, all good and wonderful things. And while several times in this um, answer I've alluded to our dreams and our fears, think not that they have equal opportunities to become the experiences of your life. As I have shared countless times in these tune-ups, you are of God, by God, pure God, inclined to succeed, born to thrive. You're here to bloom. And so thoughts in alignment with that become things far quicker than thoughts that are contrary to that, aka your fears. Yes, you can manifest your fears, but it takes a whole lot more work than manifesting your dreams and joy and happiness and love. So as long as you're on the case and you're doing something about thinking positive and moving in that direction, even when it seems to be against the odds, even when in the other 18 hours of your waking day, you're terrified, you will prevail. You will prevail. This is your nature. You're pushed on to greatness every single day. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up. This time headed back to the realm of questions pertaining to reincarnation, the hows, the whys, the wheres. Uh, specifically, Mike, do we have multiple lives or incarnations on earth? Isn't that part of some soul's suffering to create balance from previous lives? I thought there is always duality of light and shadow, love and suffering, to have soul evolution and balance. Great question. I think it's so valuable to ask these kind of questions because where we have questions, our power slips away from us and we can remove that leakage, if you will, by asking the question and attracting the answer. That you ask a question, the answer is immediately in your vicinity. Just reach for it. Go within. That's what I do. That's how I know what I share. Uh, and it doesn't hurt to ask other people and then be honest. Does it resonate that answer or does it not? And if anything I say or anyone else says does not resonate, don't buy it. Don't go there. Continue asking. All right. Um, all things are knowable. So this question about reincarnation is kind of fun because it hints at uh, balance, karma, contrast, uh, pivoting on whether or not reincarnation exists. Well, I've touched on reincarnation in a lot of the earlier 300 plus tune-ups, all of which are available right now at Facebook or Instagram TV. In a nutshell, yes, reincarnation is very real. Not quite what we think it is, because we assume it all plays out on a linear timeline. That's how we perceive it. That's not how we create it. But it's much more accurate to say that it does exist than to say it doesn't. So here we are. There is such a thing as reincarnation, past lives, present life, future lifetimes. Why? For the joy of it. To experience as much as we can possibly experience. The question about balance, uh, no. We are not going in and out of the jungles of time and space to learn balance uh, any more than we are to learn any one thing. It's about the joy of the adventure. We don't need to come back to find balance. We need to change our thinking to find balance. And you could say maybe coming back will give us more time to find that balance. Yes, but it's not as if reincarnation exists so that we can find balance. We came from balance and in a sense, we'll never be out of balance except for misunderstandings. And misunderstandings are remedied by a little bit of new thinking, asking a few new questions. Um, karma is the implication here, you know? If I'm a really bad dude in a lifetime, do I come back for balance, for retribution, um, to experience the other side of things? No. No, 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 no. Again, I talked about karma just a couple of days ago. Um, it is a phenomenon, not a law. Uh, it sure enough happens. We see what goes around comes around, um, but it is not absolute by any stretch. Change your thinking, you're off the wheel. 
you're off the karmic wheel. Doesn't matter what the score was, it's not about score, but this question kind of implies that, you know, if you're a good one, then you come back as a bad one. If you're a bad one, you come back as a good one. If you hurt people, then you come back to be hurt. No, no, that's not how it works at all. We're here for the joy of it. Every single waking moment, redemption and soaring and thriving is just a thought away. It doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how awful your past lives were, whether you were the violator or violated. Everyone is playing out these adventures in the heart of God right now. It's all make-believe, not to take away from the, the beauty of it uh, and the, the, the wow of it, but it's not reality here. It's where we learn about ourselves, our power, so that we can go on eternally in other realms unimaginable from this perspective. Uh, contrast is one of my favorite talking points. I've hit on it a few times about a year and a half ago when I first started these tune-ups. It's a favorite talking point because with a little bit of thought, you can begin to understand that those who teach contrast, and there are some great teachers out there who speak a lot about contrast. They drop that word and the implication and the lesson is usually by knowing what you don't like, you can then decide what you do like. You know, and that we're always going through these things and, and finding out, you know, that what we wanted wasn't really what we wanted. And hey, contrast, so now we can go on at a higher arc and learn more things for the lessons behind us. All of that is true, except it's taken to such a degree by many folks that they think every time you have a high, you've got to have a low. For every low, there's going to be a high. Well, there's always going to be another high and it's always going to get better and better and better. But you don't have to be dragged through the mud to soar. And if things are going really great right now, that does not mean, because of contrast, well, that you're going down. No, this is an upward spiral that will never end. And sure, by manifesting stuff you thought you wanted and you find out you didn't want it, hey, that's a great lesson in contrast and now you're not going to go back there and do that again, are you? But it wasn't necessary for you to stub your toe or date a frog or be unhappy so that you could one day be happy. Well, don't you have to be able to contrast um, happiness with unhappiness to appreciate it? No, you do not. It can be very helpful and it can make the stubborn person see things that they were not allowing themselves to see before. But contrast, more than anything else, kind of like karma, as it's typically misunderstood, is theoretical. You know, just because there is a high, uh, theoretically, if there's a high, there is a low. But you don't have to go low to get high. You don't have to go left to go right. You don't have to live in the southern hemisphere if one day you'd like to live in the northern hemisphere. You don't have to experience all of these things, nor did you come here to experience everything. Through the billions and trillions of incarnations of divine mind, all will be felt. But that doesn't mean you need to be dragged through the mud or have a low to have a high or to be unhappy to be happy or to be unloved to love. None of that was ever, ever true. The teachings of contrast uh, for many went off the rails as it did for karma, as it does for balance, as it does for these other things. Bottom line. You're here for the adventure of it, to discover, to explore, to be curious, to play around, to rise higher, to be of service, to cooperate, to be patient, to have an outrageously good time. This is what it's about, and you do not need to scuff your shins or fall on your face to do any of those things. The sky is the limit. doesn't matter where you've been. You are set up for greatness. Your positive thoughts are 10,000 times minimum more powerful than your negative thoughts. You can worry all day long in doom, dank negativity. But if you have five minutes of feeble positivity and a few baby steps in that direction, your life will take off. That's how inclined you are to succeed. Forget balance. Forget karma. Forget contrast. Those are all limits. 
in the way they're typically understood. Like, oh boy, I got to go through this. No, you don't. Your thoughts become things. You can go there and only there. You don't have to swing around. You don't have to come back. You don't have to pay your dues. You don't have to do nothing, but hold on to the vision of what you want. Explore, follow your heart, be curious, play, love, be loved, serve. Serve only when it's fun and good for you. Don't be selfless and serve. Be selfish and serve. Just had to throw that PS in there. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, and happy Friday. Thoughts become things. This is your weekend. All right, time for a tune-up, a spiritual tune-up, and I'm grateful for all of your questions. I love this one. Uh, it's about the Bible and some of the nuggets that are in the Bible. Uh, there are some real gems, uh, some of the most woohoo words I have ever read. Yet, uh, I have to share for those who don't know my work or don't know me yet, um, I am not uh, a Bible thumper. I am not a Christian in any conventional understanding of that word. I do believe in God. I do believe that Jesus walked the earth. I do believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and I am the Son of God, and you are the children of God, and we are all one. And the things Jesus did, he said, we will do greater. He didn't say we will do greater if we do this, and we don't eat meat on Friday, and we go to church on Sunday. He didn't say that. Men hijacked the Gospels, words that were channeled by different individuals back in the day and started translating them, misinterpreting, misinterpreting them and adding their own to instill fear in the masses. So I am not into any man-made religion. I think religion needs spirituality desperately. Spirituality does not need religion. With that said, here's the question. Mike, would love to know your thoughts on the biblical works, Christ's words. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the doors will be opened to you, and the truth shall set you free. Well, I've touched on some of those in the past, not all of them. You may, okay, Mike, you may have touched on these in the past, but I'm new. Um, I am sure there are others besides me who have given <coughs> faith to those words and wonder about the truth of them all. Okay, so here's a little 101 on the nature of reality. As much as can be deduced by experiencing it and by delving into some profound questions yourself, asking yourself, who am I? How did I get here? What's it all about? Take note, what's happening in the world? People are falling in love, they're in love, they're motivated uh, by their desires, their desires lead them on adventures. It's all about the adventure. But the more dots you connect in this basic tutorial, the more you realize that everything must be of God, by God, pure God. Not God of a religion, but for lack of a better word, call it source energy, call it the universe, call it a tomb, call it whatever you want. I'm going to call it God because we all have some, some idea of what that possibly represents. Please don't bring the baggage into that word. It is just everything always at once. So we are living in divine mind, if you will. And the mind of God is, is what makes everything possible. One of my favorite little quotes from a favorite book, The Hermetica by Freck and Gandhi, says that, for life is the union of word and mind. And it goes on to say these two are indivisible, word and mind. And it says further that word is the child of mind. So imagine God is just every atom, every cell, every mote of dust, everywhere, always at once. No personality in the sense of a human personality, no ego, but just, just everything always at once. But to distill, to create, to experience, to go forth, God needs to have a portion of herself, forget that she's everywhere always at once. And to kind of create that focal point, there needs to be 
Well, a focal point. The focal point is the word. Words are your thoughts. Same, same. So if you take everywhere always at once and you have a point, that focus is your word, is your thought, is your attention. Uh, as you blot out your awareness of everywhere else, you are focusing on one thing. It is word that emerges from mind. What I'm trying to get at is that there is only God. In other words, there is only divine mind. It is everywhere always at once. If you want to have an experience, a journey, an adventure, to be self-reflective, to look at yourself, you have to emerge from that, that, that mind. And the way you do that is with a focal point. And the way you have a focal point is through the word. Word and or specific thoughts instead of just a tomb everywhere always at once. The Hermetica is drawn from the words of Thoth and Hermes, the Greek god uh, and the Egyptian sage. So now let's look at the biblical quotes. One that wasn't asked about uh, and one of the most famous is, in the beginning was the word. Only with the word, only with some kind of focus can there be perspective. Can there be here versus there, now versus later, have versus have not. Only the word or aka a focal point can pull from everywhere always at once to create a perspective that never could have existed otherwise. So this is the beginning of the beginning. There was the word. As the Hermetica says, life is the union of word and mind. So with that, we now dive into uh, the biblical quotes. Uh, what was it? Ask and it shall be given. This is telling you, as a God particle, with your own focus, a creation amongst your own creations uh, suddenly exists. Ask presumes there's an answer. Go ahead and ask, why do I stub my toe? Why am I going in circles in relationships? Why is abundance fleeting? Um, how can I get from here to there? Um, where is there more love? How can I trust myself? Ask immediately the question, any question, all questions, presume there's an answer. And unless you have a blockage of sorts, then that answer is immediately forthcoming. The blockage we all tend to deal with is we chose to be born into these uh, sacred jungles of time and space and we chose to be wired to the physical laws. We can transcend them, but we have to deal with that stuff. So we don't ask and have spontaneous manifestations yet, but we ask, we hold the vision in our mind, we expect an answer, we take a baby step and the elements start to rearrange. Ask and it shall be given is in no uncertain terms telling you, you have the power of the Almighty. Ask the question, expecting an answer, and you shall be heard and answered. Number two, seek and you shall find. Seeking presupposes that it, what you are looking for is out there. It presupposes that you will find it. So if you want to change your circumstances, seek. Go forward and immediately the heavens rearrange, the stars align, and you will find that which you were looking for. Go, 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 seek, it's yours. But you have to seek, you have to emerge from everywhere always at once, even in your personality. If you're just there, nothing's going to change. But if you seek, if you ask, if all of a sudden you're under propulsion, the stars respond. We live in a responsive world. We live within the mind of God. The third, knock, and the doors will be open to you. Knocking presupposes that, that there is a gateway. Knocking presupposes that you're going to go through it. Knocking, seeking, asking is you focusing will with expectation moving forward, and generally physically so, not just on your couch with a vision board, and the universe responds. It's not a kind of, it's not a maybe, it is not if you're good, it is not if you don't sin, it is not all those other man-made things that are in the Bible are 
hijacked attempts to stir fear and control and manipulate the masses. But the beauty is there as well. And there's so much more beauty in the Bible. If you look for it with an open mind, understanding we are all of God, by God, pure God, there ain't no devil, there's not any hell except for what we create in the confusion of our mind. Which leads to the last one, the truth shall set you free. I have, I have uh, harped on this one so much in, in the 300 tune-ups. What does that mean? The truth about who you really are. If you finally get that you're of God, if you finally get that your nature is truly everywhere always at once, if you finally get that you're an eternal being, if you finally get that your word is the distillation of God herself and you bring it into the ether and you can experience it, when you know the truth of who you are, not only are you set free, but you become wildly, fantastically wealthy. You're loved and adored everywhere you go. You are service to other people. You live with a spirit of cooperation. When you know the truth, you know that everyone is another part of you. You know that we're all in this together. You know that everyone's doing their best. You see beauty and infinite possibilities everywhere you go. That is the truth shall set you free. Another one that comes to mind. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else should be added unto you, shall be added unto you. Raised a Catholic, I thought, you know, what does that mean? That means, um, you know, how do you seek heaven? How do you seek the kingdom of heaven? Live a good life. Don't sin. Don't be naughty. Don't be bad. And then you will be seeking heaven so that on the day of your death, you will be welcomed with loving arms and all will be added unto you. Ay, ay, ay. So what? Hell is just a, I mean, life on earth is just a testing ground. And if you don't pass the test, you burn in hell. Would any compassionate parent do that to their own flesh and blood offspring? Not in a zillion years. You see their beauty, you see their magnificence. As source energy sees your beauty and sees your magnificence and sees the infinite possibilities for your growth and recovery and rehabilitation should you become so confused that you hurt yourself or you hurt other people. Seek first the kingdom of heaven means seek to realize that you're living in heaven on earth now. Not kind of, not sort of. Heaven in the celestial sense is no grander than what we have upon our feet right now, beneath our feet right now. We live in a heaven on earth when we see it. Hell is living there, but not even knowing you're there. That's what hell is, and that comes from confusion. That comes from not knowing the truth. So when you seek to understand the truth, you see heaven everywhere, God behind the eyes of everyone, in every animal, in every creature, in the breeze that rustles the leaves of the tree. Hallelujah! Praise be to God, Hosanna in the highest. You have arrived. Seek heaven. Know that it's here. And then all else will be added unto you, including money. I've said that twice because there's nothing unspiritual about money. And a lot of folks would like to have a little more of it. Um, service, love, camaraderie, joy. All those things are all here waiting for us to get our heads out of the sand and to stop believing in an angry God and stupid people because everything is beautiful and everything is a setup for your greatness. To go back to the very beginning of what I started to say, because I don't think I got my words lined up too well, to requote from the Hermetica, for life is the union of word and mind. That's it. There is only divine mind. It's this infinite eternity of rolling ecstasy. But there's no substance. There's no traction. There's no self-reflection. And so to emerge from the ecstasy, God in its infinite wisdom was able to play this game of here versus there, now versus then, have versus have not, by, by the word. First there was the word, by descending, if you will, not going down, not in a bad way, but by creating a focal point with focus, the focus of mind, the focus of thoughts articulated, that's a word, and suddenly you have this bastion of order and perfection hurled through the cosmos, this blue and green jewel called planet Earth. It was all the word, thought, 
focus from this soup of God and now game on. Everything is holy. Everything is sacred. Everything is beautiful. And you are at the center of your manifestations. Ask with the expectation of being heard and answered and you shall be. Knock and your doors will be opened. Whether it's in a prison or to a mansion. A prison on the way out. If you want to release yourself from the prison or you want to enter the mansion of your wildest dreams. Um, seek, ask, knock. Uh, it, it's it couldn't be better. You couldn't be more loved. You could not possibly be more powerful than you already are. So, and there's so much more in the Bible. Just the other day, I was sharing one of my favorite books that examines many passages of the Bible. Eric Butterworth. He's a former, and rest in peace, uh, a deceased Unity Church minister. Discover the power within. Eric Butterworth, Discover the Power Within, where he examines many, many um, famous and well-known phrases from the Bible, but he recasts them in an empowering, beautiful, inspirational light. And as soon as you see his interpretations that you can get to on your own without me or Eric, it's just like common knowledge, you know, the, the, believe and ye shall receive. Doesn't say believe and then repent and then go to church on Sunday and don't eat meat on Saturday, then you shall receive. It's just believe and you will receive, period. People added all that other stuff. Um, anyway, Eric Butterworth has all kinds of uh, interpretations that as soon as you read them, you'd be like, of course that's what it meant. Of course, again and again and again and again. The Seth material by Jane Roberts, Seth says that many of the Gospels are pure forgery. He doesn't ever say which ones, but you can go to the Old Testament and get a pretty good clue when it talks about, you know, when it's okay to kill people or enslave people, you know, that's not the word of God. Those were not, uh, that was channeled, not channeled. That was just designed to stir fear and get control over the masses. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!